In the summer of 2013, I was 16 years old. It was between my junior and senior year of high school, and I had a life-changing experience. I did something that I had never done before. I saw God work in ways that I'd never seen before. And this all happened when I went on my first short-term missions trip to the Dominican Republic between my junior and senior year of high school. And this was actually a really cool opportunity because I had never been out of the country before. And so for my first opportunity to travel to another country being a short-term mission trip was, was very special. And something that's actually really cool, the very guest house that Silas and Courtney are going to be administering and heading up, I actually stayed there uh, during my trip there. So when they were visiting back in August and they showed a picture of the guest house, I was like, I've been there. Like, that's where we stayed whenever I went on that first missions trip back in 2013. And during that trip, uh, I got to see uh, life from a different perspective, I got to see uh, a place that was, though the Dominican Republic is not uh, a super impoverished country compared to others, it was still, the standard was very different than the United States. And for me as a 16-year-old, that was very eye-opening to see uh, the difference in life there. And also to get to see the different culture, hear the different languages. But probably what was most special was the time I got to spend with Uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ there in the Dominican Republic, and see the work that God was doing in and through their church there. And I remember uh, coming back from that trip, and it was cool because I got to go with my mom and my older brother, and my mom said we were talking one day in the car, and I kind of just said in passing, "Um, yeah, I could see myself going overseas. I could see myself doing that long term. And little did I know, but that trip in 2013 was where the Holy Spirit really uh, lit the flame for a passion for world missions that I have today. Over the last month, we've been looking at the five core values that we as First Alliance Church hold. They're disciple-making, authenticity, compassion, multi-generational ministry, And this is the fifth and final week where we're going to be talking about world missions, world missions. We're going to be in John chapter 20 this morning. So if you want to turn to John chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse 19. Now to give some context here, this is uh, right after Jesus's resurrection. This is literally the evening of Jesus's resurrection. So Sunday morning, he rises from the dead, his tomb is found empty, he appears to his female disciples, and then we come to this passage in the evening of that first Sunday, and this is what it says, starting in verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, this morning, we're actually just going to focus in on one verse. We're just going to spend our time this morning focusing on verse 21, where Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, I also am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I also am sending you. And what I, what I want to propose for us this morning is that world missions is a core value of First Alliance Church because world missions is a core value of our missionary God. World missions is a core value of First Alliance Church because world missions is a core value of our missionary God. So whenever we see Jesus saying, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. There's a whole lot of context in the rest of the book of John leading up to this statement. The Gospel of John emphasizes over and over and over again the sending activity of God the Father. As you go through John, it says that God sent John the Baptist. And then it also says the Father sent the Son. And it also says The Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. And then the Father sends the church through his Son and through the Spirit. And so the Gospel of John, one of the biggest themes is this activity, this theme of God sending. God sending himself, God sending his Son, God sending his Spirit, and God's now sending his people into the world to bring about redemption, salvation. And it's all surrounding the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Think about one of the famous, probably the most famous verse in the entire world, John three sixteen, And we usually stop at 16, but listen to what 17 says after it. John three sixteen to 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So even in that famous verse, in that famous passage, we have it saying the Father did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent him to save the world. And Jesus himself testifies over and over and over again that he was sent by the Father. These are just a couple examples from John. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And then he says, whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. And this is just a small sample of what Jesus says in Jesus' claim that he was sent by the Father. Now, when you think about this, it means that Jesus' coming to earth wasn't like a rebellious child like sneaking off without their parents knowing. I don't know if any parents have had that happen. You know, uh, you go to sleep, your child is at home, you wake up, your child is not at home. Um, There's a story about my brother, if you want to ask me about it after the service, uh, I'll tell you. But I I didn't actually ask him permission to share it, so I'm not going to share it today. But it's a really interesting story. So it's not like Jesus colluded with the Holy Spirit. He's like, hey, Holy Spirit, come here. 
the father is ticked because humans are, are falling apart. They're destroying themselves with their sin. So I'm going to run down there real quick, become one of them, live among them, be perfect, die in their place, rise from the dead, and then I'll be back, okay? So just, oh, and I, the reason I'm telling you is I need you to put me in Mary, right? Because it says that she was conce- he's conceived by the Holy Spirit. But when we see the way that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are working together of one mission, of one mind, and what Jesus says, the Father is the one who sent me here, and I willfully came. And then Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will be sent when he leaves. He actually says, it's better that I leave so that then the Holy Spirit can come and dwell in you. So, but just think about that. Think about that. The eternal son, the second person of the triune God, he came to this planet as a human in the person of Jesus of Nazareth with the full knowledge, blessing, and commissioning of the Father. The full blessing, knowledge, and commissioning. The Father is the one who sent him, and he willfully came, knowing what awaited him on this earth. And this theme of God's sending activity comes to a climax in this, in this verse right here in John 20, 21, where Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, I also... I'm sending you. Jesus was sent on a specific mission from the Father. That was the salvation and redemption of humanity and all of creation. Even all of creation. And and nothing could alter his laser focus from accomplishing this mission. Not opposition. Not persecution. Not people misunderstanding him. Not his disciples not getting it? Are you so dull? Is what he says to them. How are you not getting this? None of the the difficulties, none of the experience of loss, suffering, even death, even death itself did not deter him from carrying out the mission that the Father sent him to accomplish. Absolutely amazing. And this this is why we talk about the mission of God. Or to use the Latin phrase, the missio dei, that's what they use in theological jargon. The missio dei, which is the mission of God. And this phrase, uh, mission, or the mission of God, the Latin word missio means an act of sending, or to dispatch, to dispatch someone. And it's interesting, today, uh, your businesses that you're a part of, that you work for, corporations, uh, you hear about mission statements, Right? Missions, everyone has a mission statement. That grew out of Christianity. Mission statements are a result of Christianity. The, the Jesuits, when, back in the 1600s, they came and they started using that word missio, that they were on mission, on God's mission to carry out his mission. They were sent into the world to complete his mission. Now, at this point, it's, it's important to clarify something because sometimes at First Alliance, you'll hear us talk about the mission of God, talk about mission, and then other times we'll talk about missions. So what's the difference between two? Mission, singular, missions, plural. Why do we have these distinctions, like a missions trip, missions conference, these kind of things? Well, 
let's give some definition to these words. I think it's helpful for us to understand what we're talking about and how that actually shapes how we as a church and how we as Christians live. So when we talk about mission, God's mission, we're talking about God's sending activity to redeem creation and to bring fallen people from every language, tribe, nation, and tongue into his kingdom to worship him. So God's sending activity to redeem creation and to bring fallen people from every people, tribe, nation, and language into his kingdom to worship him. So to put it another way, mission is primarily about what God does and about who God is. It's primarily about God and who he is and what he does. There's one uh, famous Christian, he's actually the president of Asbury Theological Seminary, Timothy Tennant. He says, mission is far more about God and who he is than about us and what we do as Christians. So mission is primarily about God's activity in this world and what he is doing to bring about salvation and redemption. Now when we talk about missions, this is the church's efforts to carry out God's mission in the world by crossing cultural or linguistic boundaries. The church's efforts to carry out God's mission in the world by crossing cultural or linguistic boundaries. So to put it another way, missions is primarily about what the church does to bring the gospel of Jesus to other cultures and languages. Okay? Now, this is extremely important that though these two concepts are distinct though they're distinct they're not disconnected from one another they're not disconnected and here's why missions is grounded in and flows out of the mission of God okay so missions is one of the ways through which we the church carry out God's mission And God is the one ultimately doing it through us. Because we can't do it on our own. It requires supernatural empowerment to carry out this mission. So, think of it this way. Missions is a subset of the missio dei, the mission or sending of God. Mission is big, missions is narrow. And we'll see how this gets more practical a little bit later. So this is why we can say something like world missions is a core value of First Alliance Church because it is a core value of our missionary God. In the summer of 2022, I had the opportunity to do a two-week series on missions. Go figure, right? And during that first week, we asked the question, if Jesus never gave what's called the Great Commission— would we as Christians still be responsible for taking the gospel to all nations? If Jesus never gave the Great Commission, would we as Christians still be responsible to take the gospel to all nations? And the answer is yes. We said that the obligation to bring the gospel to all nations is rooted in the very nature of the triune God. It's rooted in God's very nature because God is a missionary God. So just think about this, that our God, the Christian God, is a missionary God. The triune God is a missionary God. So the Father is a missionary Father. The Son is a missionary Son. And the Holy Spirit is a missionary Spirit. This is 
the ultimate grounding and basis from which we as Christians, we as the church, do missions. It's rooted in God's very nature. This is who he is. And so God has a heart for the nations to know him and his forgiveness through Jesus Christ so that the earth may be filled with his glory through the worship of all nations. This is what's at the very heartbeat of our God. And so world missions is a core value of the triune God. And this, this brings us to the second half of John twenty twenty one. As the Father sent me, Jesus says, I also am sending you. I also am sending you into this world. In the second week of that series, we looked at, okay, if God is a missionary God, what does that mean for us as his people? What does that mean for us? If, if we were to imitate him, well then, if God is a missionary God, then that means we are a missionary people. The church is a missionary people. We are to reflect who God is in this world. And so if he's a missionary God, that means we are a missionary people. As the Father sent the Son, and the Father and Son sent the Spirit, now we are sent by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into this world. It's absolutely incredible that we get to partake in this mission of God in this world, that he could, he could and would use us as fallen, broken, sinful people. We've heard of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples of all nations. This is the passage that we typically look at, Matthew 28. But actually, all of the Gospels and even the book of Acts records what we might call great commissions. There's multiple great commissions that Jesus gives. And remember, this passage that we're looking at is right after Jesus' resurrection. And all of the great commission passages are after his resurrection. Now think about that. It's interesting. We, we don't really have a ton of what Jesus said after he rose from the dead. There isn't a ton of stuff recorded about what Jesus said after he died and rose from the dead and started appearing to his disciples. But we have over and over and over again Jesus giving this commission to his followers to go and take this good news of salvation through him to all peoples. This must be something that's important to Jesus. If, if we have so little record of what he said and we have it recorded five times, four depending on where you stand on the ending of Mark, but for it to be recorded that many times with New Testament writers, this is extremely important. Emphasis, repetition, and so, in light of the fact that missions is grounded in the very heart of God and Jesus' numerous commands to engage in missions, taking the gospel cross-culturally, as a Christian, it's a non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable. Think of it this way. Is missions, world missions, something that weighs on you? 
Is it something that keeps you up at night? Is this something that's, that's on your heart, that it's that important, that serious? John Piper famously said this, when it comes to world missions, there are only three kinds of Christians, zealous goers, zealous senders, and the disobedient. Which will you be? Those are the options, zealous goers, zealous senders, or disobedient. Zealous goers. We've had at least five different people from this church go overseas as long-term international workers. That's pretty incredible to think about. That this, this church has people going out from our midst and serving overseas all over the world. And that's not to mention the short-term trips like El Salvador last summer, and there's been other trips to Burkina Faso, Peru, and the Dominican Republic. So we have zealous goers in our midst. But we also need zealous senders. And this is pretty incredible to think about as a church, that we have a budget of over half a million dollars. And on top of giving to the general fund to meet that budget, this church gives about 25% of that on top to world missions. That is unheard of, even in the Christian Missionary Alliance. That is unheard of. And we praise God for that generosity, that we have people here that are zealous about sending the gospel. If we can't go, we're going to send people who can go. This is incredible. And then there's the disobedient. May that never be said of this church as a whole or any of us as individuals. May we be either zealous goers or zealous senders. In the fall of 2021, we had some planning meetings with the leadership of our church. We had paid off the mortgage and the question was, okay, now we have extra funds. Uh, What do we do with this? And also, just as a church, who are we? What are we about? Whenever people come here, why do they stay? And there was a number of different things, one of them being we teach and preach the Bible here. But one thing that kept coming back to the surface was missions. That this church cares about missions. This church cares about taking and sending the gospel to the nations, to peoples that have never heard of Jesus or don't have as much access to the gospel as we have here. And I'll never forget, out of one of those meetings, I remember Pastor Paul uh, casting an Acts 1-8 vision for our missions ministry. And Acts 1-8 is one of the great commission passages that says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so here we have an outline for the three spheres of missions. The local, Jerusalem, domestic, Judea and Samaria, and international, the ends of the earth. Or we might think of Lexington, Davidson County, our Judea and Samaria, North Carolina, the United States, domestic, and then International, the ends of the earth, is the nations, 
around us. And as a church, we need to be engaged in all three. It's not an either or. He said, you will, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. This isn't, this isn't uh, we get to pick and choose which one. This is a, here's, as a missionary people, this is the outline for you. Local, domestic, and international. And the reason why many churches neglect world missions is because it's hard. It's hard. In Luke 10, Jesus is sending out his 72, 72 his disciples. He sends them out two by two to all the towns that they're going to go to. And he gives them some words before he goes. He starts by saying in Luke 10 two, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus is saying, there's a great harvest of the kingdom that's ready. People are, are waiting to hear the gospel, but there aren't enough workers for the work to be completed. Last year, as a human society, I guess you could say, we reached a mile marker. There are now over 8 billion people on this planet. We reached 8 billion last year. And there are, in this 8 billion, there's around 17,000 distinct people groups uh, that are distinct through their culture, ethnicity, or language. And of that 17,000, different numbers from different sources say somewhere between four and 7,000 are unreached people groups, meaning that less than 2% of them have Christians among them. And some of them have zero Not a single Christian, not a single church. And on top of that, there's people groups that not only do they not have any Christians or churches, there are no efforts currently being made by any Christians anywhere to actually bring the gospel to them. So if we take Jesus seriously about all the things that he said about judgment and hell and the shepherding of the sheep and the goats, which we need to because he talked about it a lot, a lot more than heaven, then these people are living living without Christ, being born, living, and dying, never hearing the name of Jesus, which is unconscionable for for us living here in the South. But we need workers to go. Most of these people groups are what's known as the 1040 window. 10 degrees north latitude to 40 degrees north latitude. North Africa, Middle East, Central, South, Southeast Asia. It's where most of these remaining unreached people groups are. And the Christian Missionary Alliance, we have just under 700 international workers all around the world, and most of whom are, are working amongst unreached people groups. Many of them are in the 1040 window. But think about that. Just under 700 international workers, and there's 7,000 unreached people groups remaining. I was okay at math, but that's not enough. Now, we're not the only Christians, we're not the only organization that is sending workers out into the field, but 
Jesus called it, did he not? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And this is, this is even reflected in the alliance as a whole, where when we were in Uruguay talking with our district missions mobilizer, uh, the Uruguay team needs eight workers or eight couples to fulfill the work that they have. They were at seven. By the end of this year, they're going to be down to four. And actually, not a single field, not a single mission field in the Christian Missionary Alliance is at critical mass in terms of ha- needing, or having the number of workers they need to actually carry out the ministry that they need to do. Not a single field out of almost 70 different countries that we're in. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So there's a desperate need to go. But we said it's hard. And Jesus, in the next verse, Luke 10, 3, says, Go, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. That's not very encouraging marching orders, Jesus. That's not like something I'm really excited about getting on board with. It's not a pleasant picture, but Jesus is being honest about the realities that those he sends out will face. And that's why this year's missions emphasis theme across the alliance is to the hard places. That we are willing to go, we are willing to send people to the hard places. Some of the hardest places in the world. We have a video for you on some of these hard places. Jesus told his disciple, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world and then the end will come. Reaching the whole world means going to hard places. There are more than 4,000 people groups that have now heard of the good news. That's three billion people living in darkness and without hope. Our calling as the Alliance is to go to these least reached people. The majority of the Alliance workers are in these remaining hard places, locations that are often hard to get to, where deep-rooted cultures are resistant to the gospel, places where ministry could carry the risk of imprisonment, deportation, or bodily harm, and even in locations that look easier economically or socially. Our workers are still doing very challenging ministry. We choose these places on purpose because they are in need of Jesus' presence. In 2004, my husband and I followed God's leading and moved to a hard place overseas. We faced constant obstacle and discouragement. And at one point, I broke down and cried out. I can't take this anymore. I want to go home. Nothing could be worth all this. As I collapsed in tears, I heard the Holy Spirit whispered, Jesus is worth it. He is worth it all. And because Jesus is worth it, the unreached people he loves are worth it. It's only because Jesus commanded that we go and make disciples of all nations that the gospel reached us. Now it is our turn. This will require greater partnership with the Global Alliance family. It will require us to equip and send workers from diverse backgrounds. This calling is going to take all of us working together as an alliance. The task of reaching the unreached is hard. 
but he is worth it all. Alliance family, would you join me in praying that God would open doors to hard places. Pray that he will call more workers to the harvest field. Give to the Great Commission Fund so that we can expand our work to even more hard places. Will we do our part? Will we be the generation to complete the Great Commission and take the good news to hard places? Some of the people groups remaining are in some of the most remote places with some of the most difficult languages and some have been some of the most resistant to the gospel. And yet we still go and we still send, as Baal said, because Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. We've been saying that world missions is a core value of First Alliance Church because it's a core value of our missionary God. Jesus, Jesus said in John 20, 21, As the Father has sent me, I also am sending you. So how do we respond? What's our response to this challenge, to this calling? Well, first would be pray and ask God what role he has for you. Are you a goer? Are you a sender? Disobedient is an option. Are you a goer or are you a sender? Pray that the Lord would raise up more workers to go into the harvest field. I was just thinking about it. And there's well over a hundred people, hundred young people from the nursery to college age to mid or to mid-20s in this church. Over a hundred connected to this church. Pray that the Lord would send up, raise up a new generation of workers to go out into the harvest field. And maybe, let's, let's not be vague. Let's, why don't you pray that God would send your child or your grandchild to the field. You could also give to the FAC Missions Fund where we're supporting workers like Silas and Courtney, Scott and Deanna Blackwell, Tim and Isabel Ganey, who are either overseas or going to be going overseas. And if you're, if you're interested in knowing more or wanting to know more about how you can be a part of world missions through First Science Church, please join me uh, in the library afterwards. I have some exciting opportunities for us as a church. So we're going to be meeting with our missions team and feel free to come and hear about opportunities that we have. All of Jesus for all the world is going to take all of us. Let's pray.